This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. So, with the last few years, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has absolutely dominated the entertainment industry, and DC has basically lagged in a lot of ways, where every single time they tried to do something, it just wasn't the hit that they were hoping, fan reaction wasn't as big, the critical reception wasn't as big, but it sort of seems like things are turning a corner with conventions not happening physically. DC has decided to have their own convention called DC Fandome, and they're actually splitting up into two parts, one mostly focused around movies and one mostly focused around TV shows. But because this is a movie podcast, we figured we would talk about the movie side of things. So joining me is the resident geek expert I always call on, Sammy Felchefeld. Sammy, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. If it's an opportunity to talk about Suicide Squad, unironically, I will always jump at the chance. We now just call it The Suicide Squad. Exactly. (laughs) But there was a ton of information that came out. A bunch of it leaked beforehand directly by Warner Brothers, but I still think... DC did a pretty good job of giving people a lot of great things to get excited about. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked about before that this is going to be the first of, I think, many companies doing the same thing as we look into the future. Uh, major kind of tentpole things. I I wouldn't be surprised if Disney does something around Avatar once the, the sequels are ready. The same kind of thing. Let's just have a whole bunch of stuff for the, for the fans to tune in. It's free. Do it all that way. But it's really smart. It's basically for them to say, we still have stuff coming. And here's here's what we can show you. But they control everything. They tr- control the web page. They control the feeds. They control the videos. It's a lot better than than having to go to a comic con or doing it through another channel as well. So I think it was the right way for DC to approach this, and it was a very interesting collection of information. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because you contrast it a little bit with what Mar- what's happening with Marvel this year. Is they had uh, Black Widow, and then if you want to count the New Mutant, ready to go. But other than that, nothing is really ready enough to hype people up a lot and every sort of every big news for the next few years has already been released so marvel can't really do anything this year that isn't a retread of what's already out there and the fact that everything shut down it means that they're not actually actively working on being able to be like oh here's some on-set photos of stuff that's going to be coming out next year they they have they do have Eternals pretty close to finish they have two of their disney plus shows put it pretty close to finish but they're very weary of putting anything out there without a date because that's that's basically the whole thing is the stuff over fandom was a lot of stuff where there's a date but it's far away and we know kind of the status whereas there's so much marvel stuff that's close to finished but until that we know that it's being released in theaters or released on disney plus or whatever i think they're really weary of sharing anything more um and it's also marvel like there's there's probably a very specific reason they haven't released an Eternals trailer, probably something to do with Black Widow. I wouldn't be surprised because Eternals was meant to be one of their biggest movies this year. And now that's just pushed to next year. So it's in a very different position for sure. If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. But I was really excited about a, a whole bunch of the things that was coming out. 
And I think it would be best for us to sort of lead off with the Batman, which we've known for a little while now that Robert Pattinson was going to be playing Bruce Wayne Batman. And his casting was one that I think is still was was met with a little bit of a divide. There's people who have been like, hey, look, these last few years, Robert Pattinson has showed that he is a really versatile and exciting actor and has chosen some really interesting projects. And this is sort of his return to like really big mainstream movies. It would have been Tenet earlier this year. That still hasn't come out. Who knows when that's coming out because they keep changing the release date. But then there's some people who are still like, what, the guy from Twilight? Why? No, that's impossible. He's the worst actor in the world. So it's really interesting that there's still that sort of divide where I think a lot of the general public hasn't really caught up with basically everything he's done in the last five years because they've been so under the radar. And we got to finally see the first trailer for it. It's only a teaser. Only about 30% of the movie's actually been shot. But we get to see what he looks like in the suit what he sort of brings to be this Bruce vibe, Batman vibe and a whole bunch of really exciting stuff. This movie is going to be probably a lot darker than some of the other Batmans that we've seen, but I'm personally really excited for it. I would say the same. I will say, even though we get to see the suit, we barely get to see the suit because of how freaking dark it is. Um, And that's, I think it's just Batman lends itself to darkness. The comics are all just different shades of black and gray. And when you're drawing it, you're able to make those outlines, but you're also able to have, this very menacing man in a cape and cowl is silhouetted against the dark and then beating the crap out of bad guys. So we get to see that a bit more head on in the trailer. Um, but I'd say big kudos to them being able to put together something pretty good, um, given they only filmed about 30% of the, mo- of the movie. But only to mention, there's a bunch of crowd scenes in the in the teaser. That's something that stuck out to me because superhero movies always have crowd scenes. We're going to see a lot fewer of those in the next few years because it's just not going to be easy to have extras packed into space. Um, and that's one of the things I know the unions, at least in the States, are very clear about. If you're going to go back to filming even these big blockbuster movies, here's your distance requirements. Here's the number of people on set requirements and so on and so forth. So that kind of stuck out to me. I was like, hmm, that's going to be – it's going to be jarring that they're filming the rest of this movie and we'll have to make some other considerations. But all that aside, uh, I think I'm impressed. I'm a little tired of dark Superman superhero movies, but Batman is the only one where, yeah, it has to be dark because it's Batman. He's basically a psychopath who is also a vigilante who's a super, who's just an amazing hero and will, again, beat beat the crap out of bad guys, which just stands out in that teaser. Mm-hmm. And they've got a couple of really interesting people playing the villains. You've got Paul Dano being the Riddler, who we do not get to see in the trailer. And then we've got Colin Farrell, who's playing the Penguin, who, on closer glance, he actually is in the trailer, but you don't recognize him because he's got so much prosthetics on and he isn't really featured. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with those two because I, I think both of them are, are really great actors. And then, of course, you've got Zoe Kravitz playing Catwoman. Is this going to be a good Catwoman or bad Catwoman? And I don't mean is this going to be Anne Hathaway or Halle Berry. I mean is this going to be Catwoman who's literally a uh, a hero or a villain because she does seem to alternate between that in, in the comic world. Yeah, and I think I, I have to give some credit to this movie sort of just like I'm going to say it. We're going to see Batman's origin again for the hundredth time. Um, I can only hope they downplay it as much as possible because we get it. It was it was what Spider-Man Homecoming did really well is that they didn't need to do it. It just was a known thing. He's now Spider-Man. And I know we're going to see it, but I, I have to hand it to them that starting a, a, another new Batman and just throwing all the characters in. It's very rare that it's sort of an initial Batman movie, if you look back at the the Tim Burton and the Christopher Nolan ones, has all these extra characters that are part of the Batman kind of universe. So I think I appreciate that they're taking that approach. 
Uh, one thing I will share that I love from reading the comments, everyone's like, oh, he's too, he's almost too young looking. He, he's more, he's almost Dick Grayson, which is Robin. Like it's, it's all that stuff. But they, but I mean, they've been really clear in, in the promotion, especially during fandom, that this is what they call quote unquote year two Batman. So in Christopher Nolan's trilogy, we got to see kind of from the very beginning and through the early years, a little bit longer. And then we have Batfleck, who was late stage Batman, like toward, not towards the end of his career, but very, very much later. Um, so it will be interesting to sort of see this this person whose whose moral code isn't really established like it is for so much of the comics and even so many of the movies we've seen too. Um, and I think that that's a good approach of them being very upfront about it. Like, this is who you're seeing. This is why he looks kind of it, kind of crazy in the in the trailer and what and what kind of gives you a sense of what's to come in the movie as well. I know it's something subtle, but I do kind of appreciate that they show him without his cowl on having black makeup around his eyes because that's something that has gone on since basically the beginning of Batman as he's got dark eyes the whole time and every time he takes a cowl off, suddenly he has no makeup on. It's like, well, you know, your eyes clearly have some sort of eyeshadow on. What's going on? So I kind of appreciate that they, they are going for that consistency here. I think that they did that on purpose, po- partially to say, hey, we're, we're going to be the first Batman movie out of like 12 or whatever that's actually going to do that. But there's also that shot of him with just the face paint on is almost really jarring and kind of spooky and, and creepy in its own way, which I think is really ideal for, I think, the type of character that they're going to try to show. I don't think this is going to be dark in the way that Zack Snyder really tried to push it with Batman versus, versus Superman and, and Man of Steel. I think this is going to be like... It seems like Matt Reeves likes the character and understands the character, which not a lot of superhero filmmakers, and I know this is kind of scandalous, not a lot of superhero filmmakers care that much about the characters in terms of the comics and their history. And it looks like it's going to be a bit of a detective film, which is what Batman is supposed to be, a detective film with lots of action and cool doohickeys. But it really isn't supposed to be this big, bombastic, extremely high-stakes thing that really only started happening in the in the more recent, or like the the, the, the Joel Schumacher or the, the later Christopher Nolan movies. Um, so I think that there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of goodwill coming out of this teaser, even if they've only just started up filming again. And Robert Pattinson probably hasn't uh, lifted weights in like six months. <laughs> <laughs> now, for anyone that isn't familiar with Matt Reeves, he does have a bit of a darker filmography behind him. He directed Cloverfield, Let Me In, two of the the, the sequels to the Planet of the Apes movies, the recent ones. Uh, he's also the creator of Felicity, which is which is kind of interesting, him and J.J. Abrams. But uh, so you understand that he isn't just sort of darkening it up for the sake of darkening it up. He really does sort of have that background of being a bit more edgy in dealing with horror elements, too. Yeah, and I think that it's it's very likely that that's why he was... I mean, whether he was chosen or whether he was a, whether he approached DC, whatever it might have been, um, it from the beginning, even when Ben Affleck was first, so it was Ben Affleck who was going to direct and star in, in in the standalone movie, and then he stepped back from directing, and Matt Reeves was pretty much chosen uh, right away or was approached right away, and Ben Affleck was still in it. And I I have a feeling that that aside from Ben Affleck sort of wanting to step back, which we're going to get back get back to later, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were conversations saying we're looking at a younger Batman. Um, and we're at a point in the DC, it, people sort of get that the DC universe is just going to have multiple different people. Joker was was really opened the door to that of saying they're not all set at the same time. They're not going to be the same character showing up in every movie. You can have a Joker that's set in a different time period. And it still makes sense. 
And we'll talk more about that too. <laughs> yeah, and, and all that said, I think that's a good segue as far as Jake Joker goes. I've seen some fan theories online already saying that they think that this movie is in the same universe as the Joker movie from last year due to the fact that the age sort of ramps up to be about similar when Robert Pattinson's around this age if he's in his late 20s early 30s Joker would only be in his 50s he's an unreliable narrator so it sort of fits in with the way that movie kind of went and then in the trailer there's a brief miss see it and you'll blink and you'll miss a sort of shot of a Joker card so do you believe there do you think that's actually going to be happening or what I actually think the best thing that movie can do is is leave it at that um, and part of the reason for that is they can just decide it, there might be specific links, but DC, DC needs to tread lightly now. And we'll talk about this with some of the other movies that they explored of being either being very explicit and clear about them being connected or not. Um, and I think that we're just going to, I mean, the Joker is basically Batman's greatest foe in the comics or one of his greatest foes. So it goes without saying, if this one's a huge hit, there's going to be other movies and the Joker will likely feature as a, as a villain, just like Christopher Nolan's movies did. So it'll be interesting to see if they, they go that route, but I think we can expect already having two major villains in the first movie, whether my guess is, is Penguin's not going to be as heavy as a hitter. Um, as Riddler based on the based just on the trailer and sort of how they frame the trailer. But I don't think we're going to see the kind of rose gallery coming out in full force, or, nor are we going to see the, the stinger like we saw at the end of, uh, I believe it was Batman Begins where, um, where Commissioner Gordon gives Batman the Joker card. And then that was, Hey everyone, the next movie is going to have the Joker in it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, and then one sort of last sort of thing about the, the Batman is they've already announced that there's going to be a spinoff uh, based around Gotham PD, which I know there's already a TV show called Gotham that basically centers around them. But it's being produced by Matt Reeves, who's the director, and uh, written by Terrence Winter, who is the creator of Boardwalk Empire. It's going to be on HBO Max, so that's going to be interesting. Is it going to be like Gotham, but instead of all the camp, it's going to be dark and gritty. Like I have no idea, but it's sort of interesting that they're already doing that. My guess is it's going to be a serialized show. I think that's the biggest difference is because it's going right to streaming, going to HBO Max. I think it's going to be um, probably a few seasons. And they've said explicitly that Gotham PD is going to be during Batman's year one. So it's entirely like, likely that Robert Pattinson is in it for a blink and you miss a cameo and that's it. Um, but it's going to be also interesting how they sort of tie things in because the, the show won't be ready until after the, the film has already been out in theory, been out in theaters. So um, I do think it's interesting. And I think that this is the same thing Disney's doing. It's the same Disney playbook that you can expand the universe using kind of serialized or shorter series on, on your streaming platform, which is what they're doing with the Disney plus series. So, but it's nice to see, if they're sort of saying straight up, Matt Reeves is involved in this. Like, it's not going to be a separate thing. We're going to try to do if this is what we're doing for Batman. It's going to be in the same universe. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd actually be kind of cool if they get Robert Pattinson to, to do a, maybe a couple episodes, but only as Bruce Wayne. You never see him as Batman because the focus isn't about Batman, but you can't show Gotham as a city and not have the, you know, the richest, most politically active person and not be somehow involved in it. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's actually one of the best things they could do because there's been so little across all of that media over the last 50 plus years that have just had Bruce Wayne as a character on their own uh, or on his own um, that could stand on his own, too. And I think that there's a lot of potential for that. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Pattinson's contract is gigantic and includes multiple TV series appearances as, as well as movies and potential team up movies and whatever they end up doing in the future. Um, but I agree. I think that would be the best approach. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Now, moving on, we've got Wonder Woman 1984. We've had a trailer for that for a while. They've been releasing poster after poster of this, and we already know that Chris Pine is coming back to it. But we got a new trailer, and it's sort of interesting. You know, we went and saw the first Wonder Woman together, and we were both a big fan of it. And I was really excited for this aesthetic, basically the sort of Stranger Things vibe that they're going to place it in 1984 but the more footage i'm seeing the less i'm sort of excited about it i really like Kristen wig as an actress but the more we see her become the villain i can't remember what her character's name is the less i'm excited about her being in this uh, it's hard to say. It's Cheetah is the name. Um, I think that the issue with Wonder Woman 1984 is that this is a completely finished movie that has been done for nearly a year at this point. Um, that is sort of like they can't they can only do so much. So even their presence at, at, at fandom was just to be like, here's another trailer uh, just to, to kind of keep it relevant, keep it going. But I mean, it should have been released last November like it was originally planned to. And Patty Jenkins said that has said that numerous times since the since um, the the postponements of the release date has happened, that like we had a finished film, we should have just released it. Um, so there's new posters and there's new trailers and there's a bit more seeing of Cheetah and of the other of Maxwell Lord and the other characters. I'm thrilled about this movie regardless. They don't need to do anything for me to make me want to go see it. I will likely not see it in theaters if it's still releasing in the next few months, but I will still see it one way or another. Um, and yeah, I think that's one of the things that I think Kristen Wiig has the potential to surprise, but at the same time, like this is... This is Gal Gadot's, like, this is her her show. It's really all about her. It's a, it, There's a lot of other stuff going on, but you just want to see her have these fight scenes and see her do all these cool things and see the wings and see the, the golden armor and all this fun stuff. Uh, and really, it's just like, at this point, it was sort of, it's funny that, that Wonder Woman 84 is kind of like, it was the linchpin of DC fan, fandom as like the movie that's the most ready and ready to go. But it's also like it should have already been out by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to sort of see how this Wonder Woman character, which was a part of the original DC world, which they basically now scrapped almost all of it, is still sort of continuing ahead, how it's going to fit in the larger scheme of things. I think it's sort of like, you know, they put something in the 80s, it's just going to be... It's just going to be its own thing. <laughs> it's basically going to... I think I think we're going to... We're going to we're going to see more Wonder Woman movies. Patty Jenkins had, had said a while ago that she already had the idea for the third and she would only do three. She said she'd be finished after a third third film. And I'm curious if she would still have it in the past where we'd have finally like a, a modern standalone Wonder Woman. So not her just buddying up with Superman and, and Bat, Batman, which to be honest, if it was done well, would be amazing to see. But she just she's so good in the role that they, they can't stand to lose her. And I think she she loves the role, too. It's not like she's going anywhere as well. It's just really curious to see 
in a world where you can't really count the box office performance of anything in 2020. So um, I think it's going to be curious how they, where they go next. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. You're my dream, you're my nightmare. Life is a dream, you don't fight for Welcome to Task Force X. These are your brothers and sisters for the next few days. Run away from the pain, I don't care. Moving on, we already kind of teased it at the, the beginning a little bit, but we finally get to talk about the Suicide Squad. For those people who probably, I guess, were living under a rock or something like that, James Gunn, who, after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, was prepping Guardians 3 and was fired due to past uh, offensive jokes he had made on Twitter that were pretty well-known, and Disney decided that they didn't want to deal with it, so they just fired him, and DC scooped him up right away to write and direct whatever the heck he wants to do, and then after basically the entire Guardians cast basically threatened to walk off the set, they finally brought him back about a a month or two later. But we now finally get to see the sort of fruit of his labor of the Suicide Squad. It definitely has some Guardians of the Galaxy vibe to it, but we we saw two promo videos that that came out. One is sort of a behind-the-scenes interview with some footage shown, and then one is a character introduction where we get to see a whole bunch of really big names, but it's sort of interesting. This is not a sequel to Suicide Squad. It's also not uh, a revamp. It's not a reboot of it. It sort of takes place in the same world, but we don't really know, and we've got... Uh, we obviously have Margot Robbie, who's now done two movies as Harley Quinn. Viola Davis is coming back as Amanda Waller. Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg. And Jay Courtney as, as Captain Boomerang are all coming back, which is really interesting that they kept all of those people. And then a whole bunch of really big names, including Idris Elba, John Cena, John Cena Pete Davidson, Michael Rooker, who most people know from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, Nathan Fillion, Flula Borg, Peter Capaldi, and, and on and on and on. And we do know that to not get attached to the characters, because it sounds like uh, at least half of them are probably going to die right at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, big credit to James Gunn that uh, he's created a Suicide Squad movie I'm interested in seeing. Because as much as I harp on Academy Award winner Suicide Squad from a few years ago, I've never seen it and I never will because it looks like a bad movie. Um, and I'm also really hoping that this one wins an Academy Award just Wait, because. you haven't seen it? Nope. And you and I ruined to. my podcast every episode by bringing it up. It's it is my pleasure to do that. Oh my god! And so I know much. that people listen just for that too. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things I know about the original Suicide Squad movie: is that it it, it much like the Justice League movie uh, released around the same time in the DC history uh, pantheon of film history the last few years. Um, there was a lot of interference. There was a lot of rewrites. There was a lot of reshoots. There was a lot of no one really knew what was going on. When DC hired James Gunn, they basically said, choose what you want and and have fun because they they know his potential. And I think when he – he probably went right away and said, I want to do Suicide Squad. And they're probably like, sure, why not? Why not? It's DC. Who cares? <laughs> um, so I think that there will be a more cohesive movie. Um, the fact that, like you said, don't don't get attached to anyone. They'll all likely die quickly. I think that is, goes without saying because that's what the Suicide Squad is. It is a bunch of people that you would have seen in a comic book 20 years before and never seen again. And now they're in this thing. Oops. Uh, oops. Now they've been killed. <laughs> they're dead now um and i think that that's that's sort of the benefit at the same time you might see a few of these people completely make it to the end and not really have as substantial roles but just be there but i think the biggest thing by far is that is the the absolute 
uh, guts of DC to release a film a few years later with just a the at the beginning. So making it clear that this is a separate movie instead of it being like Suicide Squad brackets 2021, which would be obnoxious and annoying, but also something I feel like James Gunn would do. Um, but also to sort of, yeah, it's not a sequel. It's not a reimagining. It's not a reboot, but they are acknowledging that these four people are the exact same people that they were in the last movie, but we don't know if they're the same, like, we don't know if this is years later after the previous movie. We don't even know if this this Harley Quinn will be the same Harley that was in Birds of Prey. I think at this point we're sort of just going, these are some people who played these roles before, and here's a movie that they're in. Yeah, it's really super, super weird, and, and I think it's going to take until it comes out for us to truly understand. I think they're being purposely coy for now. Um, I would assume... Idris Elba and probably John Cena live through the end of this because they're they're probably going to be the big two names that they're going to lean on outside of Margot Robbie and Viola Davis. Other than that, you know, I could totally see Pete Davidson, you know, just showing up at the very beginning and dying. Michael Rooker being basically there as a favor to James Gunn sort of thing. I'm really interested. They, uh, they have two characters who are... are going to be basically be cgi and that is weasel in king shark king shark <laughs> the in the in the introduction trailer they say that taika waititi is in this movie but they don't say who is voicing king shark so uh right now the fan theory is that waititi will be voicing king shark which would be hilarious and awesome and i am all for that i have no idea oh i'm definitely for it yeah, King Shark is is Koopy closest to to uh, to the Hulk in terms of how he speaks, but he has been more sophisticated in other portrayals of him. But still, very like King Shark loves this, like that sort of thing, because <laughs> um, he's he's a half man, half shark who wears a tank top for some reason. So um, it's it's a great character. I think I agree. Taika Waititi is very likely voicing him. I also love that Weasel is very much a deep cut for DC and is obviously being played by James Gunn. Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, um, which just is perfect in so many ways. And I feel like th- some of those characters are the type that, like, you know you think they're going to get killed off in the first 10 minutes, and maybe we all think they do, and at the very end, they're like, hey, we're still here, don't worry about us. Yeah. I don't know if you can, but I'd be curious, are you able to describe the character that Nathan Fillion is playing, TDK? I actually can't, and I should have looked this up ahead of time. But but knowing Nathan Fillion and all of the stuff he's done in the in the the realm of a superhero character, he will die probably first. Okay, I no matter up, what, and I am I'm more confused. Uh, I think it stands for the detachable kid because he can take his arms off. And so yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> that's about the 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 gist that I got of it. He goes by a couple different names, but the fact that they're only crediting him as TDK, even though they're they're letting other people have their ridiculous names, like um, oh, what's the polka dot guy? Um, I can't. Write, I'm, I'm blanking on one of the characters' names. Yeah, one, I, I know one, what you're talking about. He's yeah. basically like super polka dot guy. <laughs> So they're they're clearly going all in with like the ridiculous and based on the, tr- the, the this little teaser behind the scenes stuff, which they're obviously going to be super flattering about it. I'm actually kind of excited about it. It looks like it's going to be really fun and interesting. Yeah, I think it's really just they they're they're leaning into the the concept of the comics of like 
way way back when they for like first in the 50s and then again in the 80s of just like these are just a bunch of villains and the government's going to force them to do their dirty work for them and isn't that kind of weird we just got the weirdest possible people together to do it um and i think that that's what they do need to lean into and that's that's very guardians of the galaxy there are other dc teams that kind of have a similar vibe to the guardians and i think that there was something that must have i think the fact that suicide squad's members has been uh had could pretty much be anyone um, Wikipedia has a, an enormously long list of uh, of different eras of the Suicide Squad and the many different people who have been involved in it. Um, it's a very, very long page. <laughs> um, and not to mention that Suicide Squad is also featured in some of the uh, animated movies and some of the TV shows and things like that, too. So I think that it's just an opportunity for James Gunn to say, like, these are some random characters that I really would love to, to put in a movie because how funny would that be? Um, and then how, how they can play with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm super excited about it. It almost reminds me a little bit of like something you'd see in the Adam West Batman series of just such ridiculous over the top costumes where it really leans into the comic book origins. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think that that it's like all of the comic book movies, we're actually seeing a bit more of a return to the comic bookiness of these movies in, in I feel like in recent years and in coming in the coming projects for, for a bunch of studios. So I appreciate that. I think it's, it's time for that, for there to be a little bit more uh, in there. Mm-hmm. Moving on next, we've got the flash movie, which has been long gestating as well. They sort of cycled through directors for the longest time, but not because of, you know, behind the scenes trouble, like we've seen with a lot of other stuff, especially like the star Wars projects, but just due to the movie wasn't being greenlit. So the directors moved on. Uh, but I think the most exciting news that we kind of already knew a little bit, but was absolutely confirmed is that it's going to be a time travel movie that was known. That was sort of rumored from the get go, but we're getting both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck to play Batman in this. And I am very excited about Michael Keaton to come back into the fold for me. Yeah, so a little bit of Flash history for you. Um, the Flash character is great uh, because you can. It's it's one of the easiest characters in DC for you to do time travel, universe travel, multiverse, the whole piece. Because the Flash has access to the Speed Force. What is the Speed Force? Do you ask? Doesn't matter because any writer can decide what the Speed Force can do. In one such instance, one of the Flashes outran Death for a thousand years in the Speed Force and then just came back to life. And Death was also in the Speed Force and a, and a very fast person. So it. It gives them the opportunity to do whatever they want, which is what they're leaning into here. I think that there's going to be time travel and the concept of the multiverse, um, which is the the idea that there can be more than one Batman. So there's different universes with different Bat people and different Bat stories. Um, and the TV shows leaned into that quite heavily, especially with some crossovers that they've done, the Flash TV show. But there had been a lot of talk in the – I think it's been six years since this movie has been announced – of using that context and using that as a story because truth be told – a guy who can run really, really fast, even in the TV show, after eight episodes, they ran out of Monster of the Week stories and started building up the, the kind of meta story and the serialized aspect of it. He, his villains usually also have to do with speed, and the solution to that is just running even faster, which, again, it depends on the writer. There's no really super solidly set rules for, for how fast the Flash can run. Uh, some people says he's not faster than Superman. Some people says he is. So um, I think that they're leaning into the opportunity. I don't think that that those two Bat folks are the only people we're going to see. I would not be surprised to see some other like longtime Disney, uh, Disney DC heavy hitters. Uh, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Very, very possible, even if it's a small 
part. We're going to see the TV's flash in there, even in a brief moment, only because there was a moment where movie flash ran into TV flash in a crossover last year. Um, So there's going to be a few of those. And I think that this is, it's exciting because it gives an opportunity for a lot of really interesting stories. But the biggest thing about it is, this will be the opportunity for DC to exp- essentially explain why there's all these different hero movies that are un- disconnected. For them to say, oh, they're in different universes, and here's how you understand how that works. And just so you know, the Flash can travel between between them. Yeah, basically after the failure of, of Batman versus Superman and Justice League, they basically were, I, I remember they were like, we're going to retcon the whole thing by having the Flash movie where he time travels and fixes the fact that we didn't actually do this and you never have to think about this ever again. Uh, but I, I love your idea of the potential of, of someone like Linda Carter or, or something like that being it. I would love it if they could maybe shoehorn some sort of meta reference to to Clooney or Kilmer as well. That would be hilariously awesome. And I'm sure, honestly, they it's DC. They own the rights to every DC movie ever made. It'd be very easy for them to use archival footage, which he just sees in the Speed Force while he's running between universes. Again, that's something that TV shows have done as well with DC TV shows. Um, so I think that there's a lot of potential. Uh, I like Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller for the most part, but they really will need to make sure he's not just Spider-Man because that's a bit of what he was in Justice League. Um, and I think they need to kind of distinguish his character a bit. There's a, there's a lot of different Barry Allens and Bart Allens in the comics. Bart is either his son or his cousin, depending which comic you're reading. Um, so they're going to need to try to nail down who he is or maybe decide, okay, this is a Flash who's been the Flash for a few years. They did say he has a new suit that Bruce Wayne made him, which is very Iron Man and Spider-Man, which I don't love that it's kind of that similar. But um, I don't know. I'm more excited about this movie because they actually seem to know what they're doing and that they're trying to make something happen. It seems the closest they've gotten. Big kudos to Ezra Miller for sticking with this for six years and not just dropping out like every director has. Um, So I think it means something to him as well, too. So there's potential there's potential there. The biggest potential I have for sure is there. They will likely do a Flashpoint movie. Not, I don't think they'll do it right away. But the whole idea of Flashpoint was that um, the Flash went back in time and saved his mother from dying. But that created a whole new universe where basically everything was wrong. So Bruce, um, Bruce is killed uh, as a kid instead of his parents. So Thomas Wayne, his father, lives with the the guilt his whole life and. There's all these different side stories and Superman basically doesn't like it comes to Earth, but he isn't a hero. And there's all these. And that's a really fascinating story because the Flash is central to it. But it's too much to do in in, in the first movie, in my opinion. Hmm, interesting. You there's a there's a lot of lore there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there there really is. And that's why I'm glad I have you here to talk about this. But uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit. Justly, that's the Snyder Cut. It's been talking about for a little bit now. The teaser came out. Frankly, to me, it still looks like the same movie, and I still don't want to see it. I won't go into detail on how it's a different movie, because you're not going to see it anyway, probably. Um, Main pieces, it's a four-hour movie. It's going to be released as four one-hour episodes, and I believe after it's going to be released as a four-hour movie, both on HBO Max. I don't know why they're not doing it at the same time, but um, I think it's interesting. It's really It goes to show, one, that he filmed a ton of footage before he left the project, um, but it also goes to show that they they really tried to shoehorn a lot of stuff in. There's stuff in this trailer that is not even remotely touched upon in the movie, which is what interests me enough. There's They're diving more into the characters that either we didn't see much of, uh, Cyborg, Flash as a good example, even Aquaman a little bit, um, in that movie. And a lot of those pieces, as far as everyone knows, were replaced with Joss Whedon kind of like the Avengers-y, silly kind of side moments, which I think worked in the service of that justice league being a not great movie but 
enjoyable the one time I made you see it in theaters. But um, I think that, that this is very much playing to what the fans quote unquote wanted. Um, I'm sure they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars, not hundreds, but at least hundred million dollars making this film work and all the editing and the visual effects, which is the big piece. But at the end of the day, because it's on HBO max, the people who want to see it, will see it. They're not trying to push this as go to your movie theater and see justice league. They're just trying to say, this is a different version of this story. I think it's going to be very self-contained in that, it, they're not expecting to make more Justice League because of this. Um, but I think that it's going to be... I mean, for someone like me, I want to see it. I am I know that there's no... Uh, they don't have any worldwide distribution yet. So right now, if it's next fall and it only comes out on HBO Max, that might be the only way to get it. And nowhere else in the world gets HBO Max right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that component. But um, it's not... I, if not for the people who don't want to see it. And frankly, the people who wanted the Snyder cut, they're going to hate it because Zack Snyder lo- knows one thing really well. And it's how to make an amazing trailer and then have the movie be nothing like what you expected. Yeah. He's always been someone that I, I felt is, is much more about, uh, style over substance. He makes these really interesting looking movies that sort of just sort of fall short. I really enjoy the Watchmen, but I know it's got its fair share of detractors. Sucker Punch was a, a pretty terrible movie that had some really interesting visuals and that's basically his career as a whole. Yeah, I mean and more power to him. Like this is this is more of a because it's releasing on a streaming platform, this is an opportunity to sort of just play into the visuals. Maybe it's only four hours because uh, or, or not only, maybe it is four hours because there's an extra 45 minutes of, of uh, very obvious Messiah uh, imagery that has no characters in it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but there's there's even segments of that were very clearly the same in the movie but have been tweaked for this version, which I actually appreciate, meaning different takes or different versions of it. Um, things with Superman and his mom, um, things with Cyborg and his dad, like stuff like that that wasn't in the movie. There were a lot of really – basically around halfway through the movie – it, you can tell that they had no idea what was going on and the script was probably just a mess at that point too. And so I appreciate that there's effort being taken to do this, but it's really interesting. It's a testament to a very strong fan base that frankly will not be happy with it no matter what happens, which is why we're going to see the likelihood of potentially a David Ayer cut for Suicide Squad, which I don't think is worth doing. Again, not having seen the movie, but even more interesting is the Joel Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, which apparently does exist, and DC doesn't want anyone to see it because it's extraordinarily dark. Oh, I have no idea how you can make that movie dark when it's basically just like uh, neon vomit. And plastic bat nipples. I think this will be an opportunity for DC to see about re-releasing old movies in a way that sort of tweaks it based on maybe what the director did or original vision. Um, they'll they'll see how this ver- how this version plays out. Yeah, I'm I'm not excited for, for for this to become a trend where there's you know directors cuts like this to be be like no ignore the original version this is the real version like I think it's perfectly fine for a director's cut to come out on home video later on because for timing reasons they cut out 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour whatever it is that they're just non-essential scenes and if you're a super big fan it's great to kind of see all of it to get like even more in-depth of the characters but if you remove it it doesn't make the movie better or worse it just is a different part of the movie and by all accounts this sounds like this is supposed to be the better definitive version of the movie and ignore what came out before 
And I will tell you that the director's cut, um, or what they call the ultimate cut of Batman versus Superman, is very slightly better. But that was an that was very much just a we need to cut we need to cut thirty six minutes because this was this movie was too long. That was sort of that component of it. Um, whereas I think that this is this is going to be a, a different film, and it'll be curious to see if there's sort of efforts of. Um, I remember reading that Topher Grace just out of out of his own time and he never shared it shared it anywhere made like a a two hour 10 minute cut of the hobbit trilogy and basically like didn't change the con the the story because the story is the hobbit which is one book not three um but apparently the people that had seen it in his circle were like this is a completely different film it's edited in such a way that it's just a completely different story um or the way that they do the story and i'll be curious to see if this this does become a trend or if it's just okay fans we heard you please get HBO Max so you can watch this. It kind of, you know, I've gone a little bit of tangent there with, with Topher Grace. I'm kind of curious why he hasn't really moved into directing because he did that with, uh, with the Star Wars prequels and apparently by all accounts they are fantastic. I have not seen them but they are available to, to readily watch and and a lot of people are big fans of it, including Hollywood people. So I would not be surprised if, if Topher Grace ends up eventually becoming a director because he clearly has an eye for editing. Let's get him on Justice League 2. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next movie I want to briefly talk about is Black Adam, which is the Dwayne Johnson movie. We don't really know a ton about it, but we got a whole bunch of uh, concept art with what the suit's going to look like and a little brief voiceover in a, in a short little Twitter teaser that got sent out. This is going to be an interesting one. I know this is sort of... Uh, a bit of the under-the-radar character that a lot of DC fans have been hoping would get a movie for a while, and they're finally getting it. And The Rock is someone that I think he's a, a good enough actor, but I do feel like his sort of shtick is overplayed by this point of being always the the greatest hero ever, so I'm a little unsure of what to make of this. It's it's also I mean, this is the big thing. Black Adam is one of Shazam's main villains and throughout his I don't know a lot of his stuff because I never really read a lot of the Shazam or uh, the, the Shazam family as they're quote unquote called comics. Um, but he's mostly a villain through most of his 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 career, or his history in the comics. And I think what's interesting is that they're using this as an opportunity not only to kind of center a villain as the main character. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more he's an anti-hero or he's going to help the heroes in some way. Um, I don't. I, I think it's more that he just. Um, I think that was more just this is the character that resonated with with Dwayne Johnson. Cool. He probably went to DC, and again, this is many years ago. I was like, I want to play this character, and they're like, we'll figure it out. Um, and I think that they didn't want to risk having him essentially be the main villain of the first Shazam movie. Um, but what I find really interesting is the idea that they're going to introduce the Justice Society of America, which was the precursor of the Justice League in the comics, which is an opportunity to bring a lot of lesser-known heroes um, into the into the mix. And I'm pretty sure that the direction they're going is sort of that the Justice Society are, are like the villains to Black Adam in this, but I think they all work together. I don't really understand what they're doing. But there again, there's an opportunity for them to kind of if someone in this movie is really popular, they can make a movie out of that. And it's it's very different from Suicide Squad because all of the Justice Society are heroes. Or in theory, they're heroes. But there are a lot of hero characters that have since been either retired or kind of made to be quote-unquote older characters in the current comics because the timeline in the comics make no sense. So it's interesting. I don't see this filming for a while. I think this is something that will just suddenly pop up again. But it looks like they have a bit more of a sense of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Aquaman 2, no real news, 2022 release day. Uh, I never saw the first Aquaman. I know some people were, were kind of high on it. It's you know generally accepted being the second best DC film in their universe, which is sort of damning it with faint praise. Uh, so I, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of this. I loved it. I thought it was fun. I haven't seen it since I saw it when I did and Nicole Kidman was amazing and I'm excited for the second one. I think it's just going to be a fun, cool movie. There's no way it's coming out in 2022. I just know it's a lot of work to do. They have to do this kind of like gravity rig thing for some films were actually filmed. Some sorry, some scenes were actually filmed underwater and, and a lot of the other ones weren't. They did sort of like this effect so that people were essentially floating and they had to then delete all the rigs and then do this water overlay. It took them a while, um, but it's very convincing and that's not a cheap or quick thing to do. So I don't think that it's, they say 2022. I think that's one of the ones that's going to slide, but there isn't much to say. It was a fun movie. It made a ton of money. The next one will do well too. Mm-hmm. Especially since the the second one will now be post everything trying to be uh, reconfigured. Whereas the first one was sort of definitely filmed in the justice league world. They literally had a single line about Justice League in that movie, and I was like, good for you. Just just pretend none of it happened. No problem. Uh, next movie is a second sequel, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Right now it's also tentatively 2022. That first one was uh, pretty decent. I liked it. I thought it was fun, funny. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible, which, I don't know, is, is that praising a movie? For DC, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um, I mean, it was it was bound to happen. It's another one of those situations where if the first one did well enough, they would definitely make another. Um, There's a great pantheon of the Shazam family and a bunch of villains that crossed over to other uh, other kind of DC comic areas, too. There's some really interesting. It makes me curious. They've said very little about um, even the director, I think, said Fury of the Gods. Who are the gods? Why are they angry? And it makes me wonder if they're going to kind of touch on the new gods. Um, which is a whole area of the comics that um, I think it was Ava DuVernay was working on a film for, which was not mentioned to DC fandom at all because it's it's far away. But it's very new agey. It's very kind of um, – it's actually – the new gods are essentially the Eternals. They're very, very similar in the context to, to Marvel's um, piece. And I, I wonder if – but Shazam has had crossover because some of the kind of super old characters – um, in the Shazam story, we're like people from the beginning of the universe, and then a bit of um, Dark Side, who's the villain. Oh, there's so many lore, so much lore here. But Dark Side's the villain of the main Justice League, the new cut, and most of the the comics. Um, he's from. He's also technically one of the new gods um, or old gods, whatever. He's from the planet where the gods are from. So I'm curious if Shazam will loop that in, or if they're going to try to keep it a bit more grounded, like the first movie was. Um, but I do kind of like. They're like, we're making this movie. It's called this. It's out in two years. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, Zachary Levi, I think, was a was a pretty strong lead for this. And you're talking about the new gods, which I believe Black Adam is probably going to touch on as well. So it probably won't be too foreign of a concept by the time this comes out. And they'll be able to sort of connect, which was mostly, you know, Earth set with the exception of whatever that wizard layer stuff that Jiman Hansu lived at. I can't remember what that was called. They'll probably expand that world in that sense, right? I think... I think that they would take that opportunity to do so. I think that there's going to be, this is their chance to sort of explain sort of some of the mythos. Like it took 
Um, it took Marvel a while to really get the the MacGuffins of the Infinity Stones and try to explain the wider universe with Guardians of the Galaxy and all that stuff. DC, as they're pro- prone to do, is going to try to shoehorn in things a little faster. But I think they're a lot less concerned with things being connected. So we could see Shazam Fury of the Gods have nothing to do with any of the other movies. And we can thank The Flash for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, I would hope that they maybe learn their lesson of trying to shoehorn in too many things with the way they did Batman versus Superman and then Justice League, whereas Marvel built it up over about 15 movies before you really got into sort of the the meat of the Infinity Saga there. So I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not being overly optimistic, even if most of this stuff does seem interesting. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more just a question of like they just need to make good films that stand on their own and figure out the rest after. And I don't think we're going to see any kind of big team ups um, unless things really get to a point where they can do something like Final Crisis, which actually or Crisis on Infinite Earths, whichever the crisis crises they want to do, which which is, depends on a multiverse. So you actually don't need them all in the same universe. The point of that is that. The Flash and some other characters go from universe to universe collecting heroes. Um, and that's something, if things go well in five to ten years, I'm, I'm being honest, it could take a long time. They could do a movie like that and just have it be a standalone or a two-parter that's not a Justice League or Avengers-type movie. Um, I think that's their best approach, just if things work. Uh, they may have an opportunity to build up the New Gods con- concept, but I think they, they need to be mindful of, you know, Batman has these villains that are very much grounded in the fact that Batman has no powers. And then Shazam has these villains that are very much grounded in the fact that Shazam has these powers when he's Shazam. And it's just very, like, it's 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 a bit more more nebulous, and I think they've started from a not, not being realistic at all and now trying to become more realistic afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Marvel has... Kevin Feige, who meticulously orchestrates every single movie. DC started out with Zack Snyder being basically given free reign to do it however he wants before he stepped down. Is anyone really calling the shots in in DC, or are they just sort of picking writers and directors and teams and and letting them do what they want to do with no real connective tissue? Well, Jeff Johns is technically in charge of DC film, but the problem with that, there's two problems. One um, is... It's a little late. He only, I think, took the reins a couple years ago, and he's he's a comic book guy, so that's been his main focus. Um, but the other part of it is that DC was effectively gutted a, a few weeks ago by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers completely redid their entire company to focus on HBO Max, and they created Warner Max, and, and these different kind of – they reorganized a lot of arms of what they do. So – DC is is sort of just these movies and the movies that they're going to come in the future and comics and the TV shows are sort of they exist and they'll keep making them but they're really changing their focus a bit and I think part of the problem with that that we're going to see with future movies is that there's going to be it's going to be Warner Brothers calling the shots more than it's going to be DC calling the shots Um, and they're going to look at things like oh Aquaman earned the most money we're going to make five more Aquaman movies. and, and interestingly enough, they did actually already greenlight two other sp- spinoffs. But what it means is that certain things that have been announced in the past that we would hope would come eventually, like a Cyborg standalone movie or the Gotham City Sirens movie or um, Green Lantern, which is a character I love but has never been given justice. So there's all these pieces that – I mean even Henry Cavill basically explained that – He's been in negotiations to still be Superman, but not with another Man of Steel movie. So it's really – it's very kind of curious and interesting to sort of figure out how they're going to manage it going forward with, yeah, with no actual um, main person uh, like like Marvel has. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I have really no idea. The last show I kind of want to touch on is they're, they're planning on doing a Sandman TV show on Netflix, which is a comic series created by Neil Gaiman, who's you know obviously one of the most revered comic book creators of all time. There really isn't a ton known about this, but I, I'm certainly curious to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, I mean, what I actually find super fascinating is that they announced uh, at DC Fandom a product for a competitor. Because again, um, HBO Max is Warner Brothers' kind of baby, and they are even shutting down DC Universe, which was the DC streaming platform. Um, it'll be a comics-only platform, and then they're moving all the shows to HBO Max. So it was really interesting for them to say, hey, we got this great series. It's going to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I think that basically is, is most of the main stuff that happened over part one of DC Fandom. They announced a couple video games. They, they talked a bit about the next season of The Flash. But really, I think that we hit on all the big importance stuff would you agree i agree i do want to share two things really quickly about those video games which i find fascinating so for the last decade or so there's been a bunch of series they're called the arkham series of batman games and so the two studios that have been involved in making them one is making a a game called gotham knights which is essentially i saw a great tweet that's called oops all robins so essentially batman's dead and so all of his all the people he's worked with, so multiple versions of Robin um, and uh, and Batgirl and all these things, they're the playable characters in the game, which I find is an interesting twist. And then the other one is a Suicide Squad game coming out a year after the movie, so in 2022, um, and its subtitle is Kill the Justice League, which I cannot figure out how you're going to have a bunch of these random people, which includes, of course, most of the similar characters as the movie, trying to kill someone like Superman. Or trying to kill someone like like Batman, who's really evasive, or like any of the. It's just going to be an interesting take. Obviously, these are not movies, um, and obviously, there's a lot of license being taken when you can make a video game. If the Avengers game coming out later this year is a very similar example of that, where you know you know all these characters, but they don't look like anything you've ever seen before from the comics or the movies, and the story is completely different too. Um, but I think it, it is interesting. The Warner Brothers is at least still saying, um, you know, these are a couple games coming out in in the DC world, and they're not connected to our movies, but they're important enough for us for to include in the first fandom um so i just wanted to share that i think it's just some interesting interesting stuff that they're looking at doing well yeah that actually does sound kind of interesting i didn't really look too much into the video game stuff but uh, i'm glad you did talk about that well i mean that's the other thing if you ever have a, a movie and video game podcast again which we've already done one i will gladly talk about video games for multiple hours <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to figure something out in the future uh so for now anytime you make a reference you now have to call it the suicide squad and not just suicide squad i will leave out the academy award winning beforehand <laughs> and until the academy awards in 2022 when the suicide squad wins i don't know best writing or something like that <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the most uh 2020 thing to happen oh yeah definitely uh well sammy thank you so much for for coming on and and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom it's my pleasure to impart it on upon you uh please send emails or tweets in to the show if i got something wrong with my lore i'm sorry i grew up on mostly superman i learned a lot of the stuff later in life so it's not always super correct and i do apologize to the fans out there Yes, so like you said, send an email to contrazoompod at gmail.com with uh, subject matter, Sammy got it all wrong. I will gladly (laughs) read it out over the air and then forward them directly to Sammy if you feel the same way. Uh, Please follow the show on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at contrazoompod. Uh, along with, if you give us a five-star rating and review, send me an email, and I will add you to the list to send you some free podcast swag when that stuff comes out. Uh, Really trying to get the show noticed by more people, and that would be super helpful. 
ContraZoom is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music, and thank you to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. And thank you all so much for listening. Mm-hmm.